head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Shaman, motherfuckers. It's episode 273 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Jordan Henderson of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, to talk about an eventful enough week in the world of MMA and the fights last night and what went down and what happened and what occurred and all of that. With Khabib versus Justin Gaethje was announced this weekend as well, or this week as well. Talks about him fighting GSP. Talks about Conor McGregor fighting Manny Pacquiao. Um, and loads of other stuff as well. We will delve into all of that. We'll preview next week's cards as well. And uh, yeah, whatever topics were sent in. We have a few questions at the end. And uh, sign up on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash podcast. Before we get into the whole podcast, actually. So we had a fantasy league run brilliantly uh, by the lads over there. Ian O'Neill and uh, Severe Groupie, as he likes to call himself, over on, uh, Thomas Delaney, over on Twitter. Um, that will be starting up again in around two weeks from now. So if you want to be part of that, we, we've something planned for the for the winner, Mark Atwell, fair play to him. But it just so happened that that uh, something went wrong with on post. But anyway, so we, we, we will have something for that. And if you want to be part of it next year, I think there was 30 or 40 people part of it this year. And we've room for a lot more. So if you want to be part of it, sign up. Patreon.com for our session. It's great crack. Like You basically just yeah, send in crack. your picks each week. And then you have the table. And there's a bit of banter throughout the whole year. We'll be starting a post as well on Patreon where we can kind of have banter if you're already in it and we kind of keep that post updated throughout the whole year so graham how are you and sean's sean's absolutely terrible at it so you get a chance to (laughs) sean every week yeah i have been (laughs) i I have been surprisingly shit to be honest although like i i always send in my picks actually i actually couldn't i actually couldn't get the google doctor open the last few weeks so i'm not sure where i finished but i think i was like i was like europa league i was like struggling for a tamas league like man united i don't don't start now i actually have the picture i'll say that you but i um yeah see the problem with me is right i'm this is a hashtag excuses here but i send in I get your picks off you and I send in my picks at the same time on like a Tuesday and then by the time the weigh-ins come I'm like ah oh, fuck no I shouldn't yeah. <laughs> me too like sometimes I'm like ah oh, fuck I really picked the wrong guy but it's already in but you know we're in the same boat Sean so yeah, your excuse doesn't really fly fair player to Mark Atwell fair play to Ken Allen he was up there thereabouts Sean Dinney was there thereabouts as well and a few more so if you want to join uh, there's a post actually already up on Patreon the community uh, if you're already on Patreon Ian O'Neill put it up there and I'll be putting up a big post in a couple of days as well so patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast join in you know it's a bit of fucking banter throughout the year throwing your picks once a week takes 30 seconds and uh, it's a it's a bit of crack area. So there you go. That's that. Um, any crack, Graham? Any news? The Premier League's over. Man United got top four. We won't, we yeah. won't talk too much about soccer, like, but it was a good season yeah, was, for both Man United and Liverpool, I would say. Yeah, well, in the end, it was good for, for Man United. Obviously, it was big for the their kit deal to to get that money for the Champions League and for, the, obviously, the Champions League money, which is, which is tens of millions as well. So mm-hmm. kind of got in by the skin of their teeth there and uh, Leicester kind of bottled it and... and yeah, they really, I don't know what happened there. Like, I think after Liverpool kind of destroyed them on um, Boxing Day, 
that, that they never really were the same after that. Like, you know, what they were doing to people before that, like, you know, 9-0 against Southampton, like that result was was crazy, especially because of how good Southampton were straight after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I didn't, I, uh, when the when the restart started, I didn't expect Man United to get to get fourth. So you got to say fair play there. But, uh, all in? All, all, yeah, all give, in him, give, 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 him, give him a lifetime contract and <laughs> give Woodward, Woodward, like, you know, he came with the goods. You need to, yeah. you need to renew that contract ASAP. Can you remind me at the end of the podcast to talk about Jordan Henderson getting player of the year because if we do it now we'll be here for about did he, eight did, hours did he not just get the football riders yeah, player of the year what a fucking yeah. joke like what a f- we'll but talk the about football that riders one is not just the player of the year it's like it's like to some like weird criteria to it about like contribution yeah. and Why all this stuff Rashford should have definitely got it so like he but didn't didn't Henderson start that players together as well and, yeah, and also they, they won a bunch of trophies like you know what did, what did Man United do they like, did nothing the fucking joke oh, celebrating celebrating sports like the fucking fast. Arsenal Cup Far. As <laughs> Roy Keane said, you're celebrating and you didn't win anything. Like, Actually, no, we got third. I, I'll have you know. He called that third cost nah, me a fucking hundred euro. <laughs> anyway, uh, right, there, there's a bit of news. I think we'll start with the fights last night and then we'll get into maybe the news from the week uh, after it. Then the main event, right, was one of these fights where you're watching it live and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say on the podcast. And I'm uh, I like, I don't like, you know, to criticize fighters and gyms that too much like that because you know that's not my side of it i don't know what's going on behind closed doors in the gyms most people listening to this probably haven't a clue uh about uh, well i haven't a clue like just don't know what's going on if um if you get what i'm saying like but yeah, you maybe watching... evan Perry is actually a really good coach behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but like if you watch this right how could shabazzian look so like ronda rousey in terms of like he's doing really well he's a front runner then he gets behind and he just loses it like he loses the will to fight like i, I we, we talked about who was it a few weeks ago a similar sort of thing happened and people were calling the person a quitter and everything like that i actually don't think someone like this who gets to this position who is has trained for this long and who is who's been in fights and taking big shots and taking big punches is just a quitter is a like a loser is a uh, you know is 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 not a tough fucking bastard like he's not a tough guy I don't be- I like I believe it's the preparation. I like there's a fine line I think in MMA preparation. Obviously this is not my fucking strong point because I've never prepared for an MMA fight or never been in the gym preparing for an MMA fight. But I feel like to prepare for an MMA career, you not only have to have like the skills and you know the sparring and and all of that. You have to have like that bit of drive to push you a little bit over the top, to push you a little bit too far to get you so tough that you- something like what happened last night's never going to happen you know we talk about like the shooter box guys from back in the day and all those the brazilian guys coming up like wanderland we saw shogun versus uh little noggin like not a bit of quitting either one of them or any of the, these lads coming through and we you know we see it a lot even with these days with the the scrap pack and everything like that and i think there is something to that as well but and it's not just going like that you don't have to just knock the fucking head off each other all the time but i think having really good training partners in the gym like the guys look how much dustin parry say improved when he went to is it att i always get the gyms mixed up and and other people like that like john jones even when he went to uh, jackson winkle john improved like i think there is a a real benefit to that for someone like shabazzian who seems to have all the skills but his trainer and his gym are just have never been proven to produce someone who can do it long term like that. Now they had Ronda Rousey. You can you can say okay they had Ronda Rousey, the one of the most dominant champions ever. But she was only a dominant champion until someone fought against her. If you know what I mean, like and it's I think that's a big issue. What, what did I'm I, I, do you think I'm going too far? Or do you think there's a, a point there about Shabazzian? 
Yeah, well, like, I know what people are saying when, like, you know, he kind of did wilt, like, you know, he survived at the end of the second round, and you kind of, you kind of knew it was over, you were, you were just like, ah, you might as well kind of throw the towel in here, Mm -hmm. and I thought that the doctor was actually going to stop it, because he was asking him, and and he, Edmund was just kind of like nodding, he wasn't really saying much, he kind of was, he was his. He was saying that he wanted to continue, but his body language was saying that he didn't want to continue. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I expected I, more from him. You know, yeah. I think people had such high expectations for him that it was like a disappointing performance, and that kind of adds to it as well. I think a lot of people might have been angry. They might have had him in accumulators and stuff like that as well. So maybe that plays into it too. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't actually see much of uh, the reaction afterwards because I kind of fell asleep early enough. But I, actually, I don't. I'm not kind of talking about the end of the second round or the the third round even i'm kind of talking about like halfway through the second round where he kind of he just wilted in the middle of the fight like you know he was uh, the had to come in so easy then as well yeah. yeah and it was just kind of lying flat and flat on his back yeah it, it just seemed like he, he he was he was beaten everywhere yeah. just demoralized him um which is which is rare to see in like a main event uh you know a guy who's who's tipped so high or touted so highly to just kind of have no answers not be able to kind of mix it up and stuff like that so when plan a didn't work it was there was kind of no plan b there and maybe that is a kind of a coaching thing like we kind of saw that with ron ramsey too and the when the plan a didn't work there was there was kind of no plan b yeah but even then like the i think the thing about it was right he came out and brunson from the start of the fight brunson as he always tries to do was very patient and i thought he did well for the first two or three minutes and then uh, Shabazzian started landing big shots Brunson got hurt by a couple of them he kind of put under pressure a little bit and you know the first round was, was a close round I thought Shabazzian just about won I thought he landed the more effective shots he came out then in the second and he did the similar sort of thing but as you said I think he got one big takedown in the, in the first round and when when Brunson didn't just go away Shabazzian was like oh he's not going away I better go away you know it was, it was one of those ones and the thing about it is right this is not you know, this is not an irretrievable situation. Like, the same thing started to happen to Conor McGregor. You know, he fought Nate Diaz. He came out the first round. He looked really good. He dominated. Got one big shot and got a way out, you know? The same thing happened with Shabazzian here. Conor McGregor came back and he beat Nate Diaz in his next fight, you know, and went on to win the, the title in the fight afterwards. There's no saying that Shabazzian can't come back. But, you know, McGregor famously kind of changed up things. Does Shabazzian, like McGregor, uh, I think he's always been a guy who's very well prepared by him, you know, by himself. You know, he's the McGregor fasting. He changed his cardio. That was an, an issue with him. And for that couple of fights, at least anyway, it worked. And I think you need something big like that if you have a big issue like this, which was kind of shown up. Does Shabazzian, like, have the trainer trainers to do that? Like, is Edmund Arverian going to do that? A guy who is a boxing trainer and then Ron Rousey kind of came into his gym. And I know he's a many Gambiori and a few other people as well. But, I like, I don't think there's ever been as clear an issue with someone who looks so talented and is such a good athlete and just kind of fades away because I don't think his training is good enough, I don't think his camp is good enough. And maybe it's an easy target to, to go and look at Edmund and uh, and say that, that he's the issue, but 
I think I think he is the issue. I I just like you sh- a fighter fighting in a main event in the UFC card against well, someone even, as good as Derek Brunson should be schooled. Like, shouldn't they? They should be even, well able. Yeah. To even his prized pupil, like his his the thing, he'd probably point to as like, look, I'm a good coach. How much did you really develop? You know, obviously her judo and submissions were very good, but he, he was talking the whole time about her world class boxing and all this stuff, and everybody was kind of laughing, but like. There was no real improvements in Ronda Rousey's takedowns. They were still the same trips. Her boxing was still bad. Her defense was still bad. You know, there's not. We don't see a lot of development out of out of the Edmonds gym, as you said earlier. Like it's hard to know what really goes on behind the scenes. But from the bits of public stuff we've seen, and uh, from his fighters, his high profile fighters, like they're not that well rounded so maybe you know obviously it's easy to, like you know the first loss of his career what is he 11 and 1 now or, or 12 and 1 11 and 1 you know the first loss of your career can be a huge turning point and you can you can take a lot of he probably is like you know he's probably watched it already a few times and taken a lot from it but uh, I don't know if as you're saying if Edmunds gym is the best gym to, to go fix those holes and if he's the right man to to lead the way or to to show him to show Edmund, Edmund sorry it's really confusing with Edmund, and <laughs> <Yeah>. Edmund. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to show Edmund to show Edmund the way to to close these gaps in his game you know uh, obviously it's easy to say from the outside oh you need to change James but with the past kind of knowledge we have of Edmund Tarverian his fellows or his um, his fighters don't really develop uh, too quickly or aren't very well aren't very well rounded so mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe he could just go off and do a few weeks or a couple of months in a different gym and see how he likes that and, and kind of take it from there. But uh, it is hard to say, oh, you just need to leave that gym and we don't really know what's going on in in the background. Yeah, it is true. But like the uh, fair play to Derek Brunson, so like if you look through Brunson's record, you see in 2014 he fought Joel Romero, kind of, I suppose, Joel on, on his way up and lost. He fought Robert Whitaker in 2016 on his way up and lost. He fought, fought uh, Israel Adesanya in 2018 on his way up and lost. And you know, his last couple of fights then, Ian Heinish, who was on a bit of a roll before that, he beat him and then he beat Edmund Shabazzin as well, obviously on a big roll as well. You know, Derek Brunson. 21 and 7 a good MMA record for a middleweight division when he's fighting all these up and comers he's a win over Leota Machida he's beating Uriah Hall he's beating Ryan Canero who's uh, good at one stage he's beating Sam Alvey Ed Herman Lorenz Larkin who's look good you know over in uh, over in Bellator as well like it's it, uh, uh, Derek Brunson is not the best fighter in the world but he's a guy who will come out and he will throw his hands and he'll let the shots go and that won't always work for him but sometimes it will you know and he's he's he lives by the sword and he dies by the sword a lot of times and he was a bit more patient last night it was a better performance but you must give him credit like he's we as we kind of get into a more modern era of mma and we even talked about it last week about kind of choosing fights and picking the right fights and stuff for you Brunson is really one of these guys who will fight anyone at any time any place literally like and all up and comers anyone on the way up he'll fight him and he has he's proven that and he's beat a few of these guys now Heinish and and Shabazzi in two wins in a row and he's another win before that as well they're pretty good wins and we're gonna yeah. have to start talking about Brunson aren't we as a, as a guy yeah, well, and just a, a, a gatekeeper it looks like that move yeah exactly he's gonna set himself like he didn't want to be a gatekeeper and that move to Henry Hoof's gym three in a row now like three three good wins okay they're not the same level of competition that he's lost to over the years. Like, you know, he's lost to, as you mentioned, Jacare, Adesanya, the ghost of Anderson Silva, uh, and uh, Romero again, and Whitaker. But, but um, you know, 
back to 2012 his last like loss that he like when he was 9-0 and against Kendall Grove a split decision in 2012 mm-hmm. since then he's beaten everybody except for the very top guys so like you know he's he's definitely a, a really a really good fighter and he seems to have he seems to have um improved and developed since he went to Henry Hoof obviously the as I mentioned the the Elias Theodorus and uh, Ian Heinish matchups aren't exactly the same as like you know the previous two uh, Jack Array and Adesanya but this Edmund like is is Edmund sorry this win over Edmund uh, is is a big win uh, and you know he's on momentum is a big thing in MMA as well and yeah like I think he can. He's he's definitely kind of been a gatekeeper. They've used him in that slot for this fight, but I think he definitely deserves to kind of another shot at not being a gatekeeper, another another shot at moving back up the rankings. Yeah, like this week it was announced. I'm not sure. I think it's official, but uh, Robert Whitaker is fighting Jared Cannonier, so that's the number one ranked against number three ranked. Obviously, Paulo Costa is fighting Israel Adesanya, uh, and then Jack Ramanton's coming next. And like after that, you have Yoel Romero, Darren Till, Kelvin Gastelum, all coming off of. Uh, losses or is you? I'm not sure about you, but I think he is. Uh, but didn't you have Derek Brunson? I, I like, I like, I like that that um, Whitaker or not Whitaker, um, Kevin Gastelum matchup against Brunson. Or Brunson. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking Hermanson versus Brunson. I think that may, maybe makes it maybe it's a bit tough on Hermanson because he's ranked number four and probably deserved maybe a bit of a bigger fight. But for Brunson, if you're looking at it from his point of view, I think. You know, I think he fancied that Hermanson fight. It's, I think that's a good fight for him. It's a winnable fight. Like, I, I'd probably pick Hermanson to win. I think Hermanson's very good. But there are two guys who come out and they're throwing their hands. I think it's. <clears throat> I think it'd be a very, very good fight. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's a fight you can put on that uh, Adesanya Costa fight. Maybe it's a little bit too soon. But I think if you put that fight on there and one of them won that, you know, they put themselves right in right in the mix. I know, you know, Whitaker and Cannonier. If Whitaker wins that fight, I don't know if you can put him straight back in there against Adesanya if he wins. So... I don't know. I think I think there's a bit of wiggle room there, although it'd be tough for Hermanson, I must say. But yeah, um, he's definitely Brunson's definitely made himself like a a kind of player again in the mm-hmm. in the division in the in the rankings. Like it, it was kind of a must win for him, you know. If if yeah. you lose that, you know, people kind of forget about you. They kind of already had forgotten about Derek Brunson, and he needed he needed that. In a, I know it was uh, maybe not the best car, but it was a main event and. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a big win for him. So, uh, like, okay, Gaslam's coming off a loss, and the UFC used to do winners, winners, losers, losers matchups. But nowadays, they don't really, and they fought at similar, similar enough time, Gaslam uh, and um, Brunson. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to see that, like uh, that fight. I know with Gaslam, you never really know what's going to happen, but the inconsistency. But uh, I don't know, like. Uh, Brunson, like under Henry, under Henry Hoof, with this momentum, with this, with this, um, with this extra confidence, I don't know. Like that's a hard, that's a hard fight to pick. And, and a year ago, I definitely would have picked Gaslam, no problem there. Yeah, I agree. I have to agree with you. You know, you mentioned the kind of a card as well. We kind of moved down through it. We must mention it turned in from like a fourteen fight card to an eight fight card very quickly. Let me just read out the cancel bouts here from Tapology. Uh, so Marcus Perez versus Eric Spicely. Spicely failed weight cut. Holly Holm, Irina Aldana. Aldana tested positive for COVID-19. Trevin Giles versus Jung Young Park. Park withdrew. Uh, Dung Young Jun versus Ed Herman. Jung withdrew. Ketlin Vieira versus Yana Kunitskaya. About rescheduled. Jennifer Maya, Vivian Arujo. Arujo tested positive for COVID-19. Chris Gutierrez, Luke Sanders. Sanders withdrew. Borg versus uh, Mayanis. Uh, Borg withdrew. Uh, Emers versus Valiev. Valiev withdrew. Herman versus Mershart. Mershart tested positive. Uh, 
Kevin Colin Holland versus Wars. Trevin Giles. Giles fainted backstage. Marcus yeah. Perez versus Charlie Otaverius. Otaverius is not medically clear. That's like fucking 15 <laughs> points there. Especially one backstage as well. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> the card's really falling apart. <laughs> it was, yeah. like, for how much the card fell apart, it, it was pretty good. I enjoyed yeah, it. I enjoyed, card. Do you reckon you enjoyed it a little bit more because it was shorter and it didn't take like yeah, eight hours? Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. If it was an extra, what, 10 fights that it was supposed to be, it probably would have dragged on, but... Uh, yeah, like, you know, even even like even though none of those fights are actually, you know, that oh, that's a huge loss to the card. It's it's just the amount of them must have, you know. What's that? Four three or four or three coronavirus tests? That's gotta be the most on, on any of the cards, isn't it? Yeah, most must have been fairness though war beforehand. The Mershart one happened like the day before, but the uh Arujo one and the Aldana one, they happened a good while before it. So yeah, it's uh it's it's a lot alright. What do you think of like at the uh, Trevin Giles thing where he collapsed backstage, like it's probably I don't know, I haven't heard much about it since, but a lot of people last night were kind of saying it was nerves and he got lightheaded and he just passed out. And um, we'll get there in a second, but Joanne Calder would pass out after a fight as well. But after a fight is different. But I don't know, maybe it's the heat. We're in the middle of fucking July in Las Vegas in the middle of the desert. Like that can't be. Maybe probably the weight cut was heavy, heavy the day before. But if it was, probably didn't help as well. Um, yeah, it's a strange situation. You, you, you know, we've had people injure themselves backstage. We had Stefan Struve with like heart palpitations backstage and stuff. Um, so it happens the odd time, but it is it is strange when it does happen. Yeah, it definitely is, and hopefully, <coughs> hopefully everyone gets better. Uh, this Jennifer Maya um, <coughs> Joanne Collarwood fight, a strange decision. I think we talked about it maybe on the I don't know, one of the podcasts during the week that Collarwood would take this fight um, when she had a. a a title shot promise. I know a few people were saying maybe she didn't. You know, there's new people. Andrade is on about moving up to 125, and is kind of put us The promise there. of a title shot doesn't usually necessarily mean you're getting a title shot. Yeah, but God, I I think it was a bad decision anyway. I would have like for Calderwood. I think I think she's a fighter that's a good fighter, but has never really shown that she can get to the top level you know i think at the start of her career she looked like she you know when when women's mma wasn't maybe as developed as it is now she looked like she was one of the best in the world but i i just don't think she has what it takes to get to the very top now i hope i'm wrong i hope she does but taking a fight like this against jennifer maya who's very well-rounded is very dangerous yeah but you know like uh, maybe this is just my in my mind but when when the armbar was kind of half on and when she was trying to get out of it, I just kind of thought, mm, this this is over. Yeah, me too. I you know thought I mean? it when it went to the ground. I tweeted it. It's like, what's yeah. the armbar? You know, I knew it was over. Yeah, right. like at high level MMA, when somebody goes for an armbar, you shouldn't be really thinking in your head, ah, this is done. Like, you know what I mean? Especially when it's not like, you know, okay, if it's, if it's some... Who's a good example of somebody who's unbelievable at armbar? There isn't really anybody anymore. Like, Verdun? is there? Obviously, Verdun pulled one off there recently, but Wonder that's been a long time since yeah. he's done that. Ronda Rousey, that's a few years ago now since she's done that. Recently, there isn't really, you know, you talk about it, you just, you're not working, but mm-hmm. like these like kind of arm bars and stuff like that, and they, they're a very low percentage uh, recently. Like, in, I'm, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but people going for arm bars and people getting arm bars is very low. But with Joanne Calderwood, you kind of knew because we've seen historically that when it does start kind of going slightly wrong, it, it goes very wrong for Joanne Calderwood. When she when she's when she's in form and she's leading the, the charge and leading leading the battle, then she can be very good. But when it starts going against her, uh, it just seems like there's too many holes in her game. An an armbar, 
An, an arm bar? See, arm bars are everywhere now, Sean. An arm bar? The she, the she hand curse. <laughs> an, an arm bar? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, like Maya came out. And uh, I think it was Paul, actually Paul Felder and Dominic Cruz and Brendan Fitzgerald. Although Brendan Fitzgerald was a bit off last night, but uh, I think the two lads are very good. I think Paul it Felder. It was good, but nobody was like, ah, every time somebody threw yeah. a strike. That was good. Yeah, that was good. I think Paul Felder is really good in like the three man boot situation. I think he brings it all together and everyone kind of likes him and he makes it fun. And he doesn't like just play along and laugh along, but he kind of brings people in. I just think he's fantastic. And I rather the two man boot 100%. But I think if you're having a three man boot, I think Felder is the man to have uh, in, in part of it because you know with other people it kind of turns into a laughing session and things but he's anyway. not going to try and talk over people as well like like it kind of happens with certain certain uh, commentators yeah 100% <laughs> but in this fight like I, I think what Felder said on the commentary maybe it was Cruz that um you know, when you have that straight up Mai Tai stance, which we've talked about a lot, a lot of time, you know, with Jose Aldo and other people, and I think it's been bypassed a little bit in MMA. You're just so open to take shots and, you know, with a, a kind of a more varied attack like Jennifer Maya had, although she wasn't, you know, exactly fucking Wonderboy coming out there, but she was landing shots and Joanne Calderwood, and you could kind of see Calderwood was her, you could see it from her face about a minute and a half in, it's like, mm, shit, <laughs> you know, and then she, she got a really good takedown. I think Calderwood's, uh, wrestling and ground game has improved an awful lot but with Maya's kind of that loose guard she had and you know it was like a half an Oma Plata going for it at the start and it didn't really get there uh, but Calderwood just consistently looked like she was going to get subbed it's just she, you just knew when the second half fight hit the ground it was like the only thing that's going to save her here, there was 31 seconds left in the round when she got submitted, I think was the bell. Honestly, I think it was the only thing that was going to uh, was going to, um, to save her, but yeah, it's tough. Actually, let's pop back to the main event for a second. Um, we didn't talk about her, Dean. So at the at the end of the, the second round, um, Shabazzian was in bad trouble, Brunson landing a lot of big shots. And Herb Dean like, waved off the fight and let it go. And then in the third round, he stopped it very quickly after 26 seconds. Now... I've been very critical about her uh, against Herb Dean, and I, I did a podcast over on Patreon this week saying Herb Dean's just not good enough anymore, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't think this is the the hill to die on with Herb Dean. Look, did, did he call the fight off at the end of the second kind of back out? Maybe, but we'll get over that. He stopped the fight, he, you know, he stopped the round, he, he ended the round, he got Derek Brunson off him. That's his main job. Did he fuck up a little bit? Maybe. We'll, we'll get over that. He started the fight again. The stoppage at the third round, I thought it was a very good stoppage. I think it was clear as day to anyone watching that, that Shabazzian wanted no part of it anymore. Um, maybe it was his corner job to take him out of it at the end of the second. I, like, I don't think it was the worst ever non-corner stoppage, if if uh, if you get what I mean. I don't think it was totally egregious to put him back in there, although he probably should have been stuck because I think everyone could see that he was looking for a way out and wanted a way out. But when Herb saw that, he, he gave it to him. So what did you think? Yeah, and uh, when the fight was stopped, I thought I thought for a second, I don't know if anybody talked about this or this was confirmed or not confirmed, but I thought that the corner was actually trying to talk to Herb Dean at the, oh, really? just before the fight was called off. I don't know if the it just looked like that because of the camera angle and the corner was standing up shouting something towards the fighters or maybe towards Herb Dean, but maybe... Maybe they did say something like that's ah, enough or something like that because because it was like maybe it was Dan Hardy going mad last week, but it was very unherb Dean to stop it the way he stopped it. Yeah. Um. What did you think of like the the end of the second round stoppage, half stoppage, and then the actual stoppage? Um. I think it was okay. I think like you could you could get you could get away with saying as a Herb Dean fan or as a Herb Dean saying that you know that shot that came in from Brunson was kind of on the bell, so he kind of went in 
kind of to to stop the round and um maybe it looked like he was waving off the flight but he kind of didn't you know when they wave off the flight they kind of do it more deliberately sometimes mm-hmm. so you could uh, yeah if if Herbine wasn't under like scrutiny at the moment kind of like last week you know if if the little errors he made were just were, was just little errors you probably forget about them but when it's mixed in there with a big error then it kind of it gets brought to light more mm-hmm. but i definitely think herb dean is is definitely not on the top of his game anymore um i think that's clear to see like we've yeah. you know, like we've mentioned it over a couple of years now like and i think it's getting worse mm-hmm. um i like yeah i think it's getting worse um uh, I didn't like Dana. Just kind of off topic. But I didn't like Dana react. Dana's reaction to Dan Hardy saying, "Oh, you'd fire somebody. You'd fire Dan if he does something like that again, or whatever." Yeah, something along those lines. I think that was, you know, <laughs> Dana should be thanking Dan like for, for not thanking him, but he should be thinking like this is we like we definitely don't need somebody getting seriously injured or seriously hurt because of an incompetent ref or you know something worse than seriously hurt. Yeah, I um, I, I would agree with you on that. I think there was more to that though than just the Dan Hardy thing, to be honest. And I, when I heard it first from Dan White, I obviously agree with the point no one should come up to anyone like that. But when it was made with Dan Hardy, I was like, Herb came up to Dan Hardy. Like, Herb so came didn't... over. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So in that situation, I don't agree with it. But I I think there's more to that situation. So I wouldn't criticize Dana 100% on that. And I think he's given out the right message uh, so 100% with, with that. But yeah, like, it's, it's interesting because as well, you had the... The Mark Goddard situation this week is. Well, let's talk about that here. We'll, we'll pop back to the card in a second. But Mark Goddard was fight uh, was. Uh, I think it was the uh, card over in UAE where um, there was a guy when it was in and rear naked choke and Goddard stopped the fight because the the other guy tapped on the canvas. Uh, fair enough. Like if the guy having the choke on didn't see the tap on the canvas, although he, to me he clearly did. Goddard came in, stopped the fight. He refused to let go. Goddard pushed him to stop the fight and he refused to let go and that Goddard had to pry him off to get him off the rear naked choke then um, the fight got up there, I know there was a bit of the weird camera angle it looked like maybe Goddard pushed him but I think the, the guy pushed Goddard and even if he didn't he pushed him twice again uh, and Mark Goddard grabbed showed, the hold of him by yeah, the collar as well. grabbed the hold of him by the collar and Goddard had to show great restraint I like to me I think Goddard did a fantastic job there to pry him off first of all and to not fucking punch him in the face because he was such an idiot afterwards but what, what did you think of the situation? Yeah, well, the camera angle did look the way the fighter went back against the cage. It kind of did look like, or wasn't sure who'd pushed who first, or if they pushed each other at the same time, and and all that. Like, I think it was blown up a bit more than than it should have been. Like, you know, this this like, um, you know, saying this guy is like an absolute like terrible person or whatever. Like, when he, the guy taps on the ground or taps on you, don't let go until the ref pulls you off or says the fight's over and i think the initial contact from goddard wasn't strong enough he kind of just put his hand on his arm but then he definitely pried him off but it was a one second two second thing it wasn't like this like thing we'd never seen before the way people were going on i thought i thought it was a bit over the top but it obviously was really wrong from the fighter like he you can't be doing that you can't be doing that in, in like a rear naked choke isn't as bad as for example what paul harris used to do in no. in in knee bars or anything so we've seen worse before but I, it definitely was bad but i people acting like it's the worst thing they've ever seen i think it's a bit over the top yeah like it wasn't the sort of thing where you get banned for life but it was a, definitely a scumbag move like and the, the, the thing about this is right this is another issue as well with we talked about it last week the herb dean situation where we don't have like a worldwide commission who can take action like herb dean when he fucked up last week there should have been action taken he should have been given a month ban from fighting or from refereeing or whatever and you know whatever it might be 
this guy should have been banned for six months, you can't fight or something like that. Should maybe some of his purse should have been taken. Like, if we had that to do that, like maybe Brave will do it with that guy, but like, what difference does that really make? If, if they do that, he'll say, like, right, I'm out of this contract, I'm going I'm fi- to fight somewhere else or whatever. You know, he's two and five or something. I'm, I don't know the details, but I'm sure he's not signed to like a five fight deal or whatever, and he could just leave and fight somewhere else. So I think that's an issue with MMA and kind of maybe a broader and a bigger issue as well. But uh, yeah, like, I, I thought it was. I thought Mark Goddard did very well, and I thought the the guy was it was a real scumbag move. But I like it's not the worst. Obviously, it's not the worst we've ever seen, but it's still bad as well. And this is not something you want to see people doing at all. So there you go. Just while while we're off topic, real quick, mm-hmm. one word answer: Wonder Boy or Shimaev right now? Who'd win? Wonder Boy, obviously. <laughs> I saw a few people. Yeah, me too. I think so too. I thought people looking for that matchup and and saying it was a it was it, people picking Shimaev, but I think it's it's way too early for that. Sorry, yeah. that was way off topic, but I just... Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I, just, I, meant, I meant to say it here last week, and, uh, and I didn't. Speaking of Wonderboy, Vicente Luque, who he absolutely destroyed, came in here and destroyed Randy Brown. Look, put on a fucking fantastic fight. Uh, lovely leg kicks. Brown got a takedown in the second, but Vicente Luque got right back up. Landed a lovely knee in the clinch where he pulled up his uh, head and he pulled up his hand so he couldn't touch the ground and play the game. So it was a completely legal knee. Bit of ground to pound to end it then. Vicente Luque is one of these guys. A bit like Wonderboy, actually. I think underrated. Underrated, under the radar. He's a good fighter, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. Like, uh, obviously, Randy Brown's not like the most, you know, talented fighter, but he just he had a really good game. Like them calf kicks, you know, you look at you look at Randy Brown and you see how kind of gangly he is and how skinny those legs are, and it makes sense to go for them. But fighters don't do that. Like, you know, it's easy to when it's done, it's easy to say, oh, well, that was obvious. But we've seen Randy Brown fight a lot of times, and people haven't been as effective with that. And it took away his jab as him. You were it made him hesitant on his jab, as he mentioned on the on the broadcast and. Um, and as you mentioned with the finish, you know, when you're trying to kind of put your hands down and play that game, it's a very risky game. And it's a very risky game to throw that knee as well because you're, you're winning this, you're winning this fight easily. So it's a, it was a brave, it was a brave thing to do, but brave or slightly misguided thing to do for Luke because in the split second, he could have, he could have been a downed opponent, but he wasn't. So perfectly timed, but really, really risky, <laughs> really risky knee. Yeah, 100%. Great, great win for him there. Um, Bobby Green didn't land a banana, but on another fight at the night. There was almost two double KOs in the first round of this. The two boys just lashing into each other. It was very good. The second round, I think Green, it was the, the, maybe the least exciting of the three rounds. Green, I hate the word volume, but I think he won with volume. He just landed more shots. There was no real big, immediately impactful shot. And I think he just kind of landed more and won, won out, uh, fought. Um, Venata throughout the round uh, and in round 3 Green uh, knocked him down with an elbow and it was just a domination kind of after that uh, there was one ten eight in there probably for the third round I would say um, but other than that it was uh, it was a unanimous decision for, for Bobby Green but to me, I watch Bobby Green, and I think, okay, this is a bit of a favourable matchup, obviously. And when I say favourable, you know, a guy who'll stand up with him and not try to take him down and won't run away from him and will fight him directly in the pocket is kind of exactly what he wants. But I think he's improved a little bit to me. He's not bollocksing as much in the cage anymore and talking, and he seems to be, like, having his head down and fighting and putting on kind of workman-like performances as well as, like, the, the kind of the mean streak he has on him. And I think Bobby Green can be a dangerous fighter for a lot of guys when he's like that. What did you think of the performance from him? Yeah, it was definitely an improvement from from the last Lando, the first Lando uh, 
green fight. Um, I mentioned before this fight on the podcast, like the kind of thing that made Lando so exciting and, and so dangerous was his kind of craziness. And yeah. that's kind of slowly kind of going. And I don't know why, because like, obviously he's, he's not the most technical, but he, but the kind of thing that made him so dangerous was the kind of variety and unexpectedness. And, and I think he needs to go back to that. Obviously maybe for, for, um, for this for this fight maybe uh he maybe even even if he was fighting with that style he might have still lost but i think for 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 potential future matchups i think going back to his wild style i want to see it anyway for entertainment purposes but i also think that it's it's a better style for for lando yeah i i I couldn't agree more mr podge asked the question as well he goes was lando's uh debut against ferguson absolute fluke he's never been as close to showing he could be a contender again after that it, yeah, it, it was, but I think it's exactly what you said there, Graham, like that he just needs to, some fighters are like that, they will be at their best when they unfortunately put themselves in danger, but like, I, I think if I was a fighter, and it's easy for fucking me to say here, sitting on my couch, like, uh, I would rather give myself a chance and fight, like, naturally, that actually serves Lando Venata better, I think, and... He'll win more fights, I think, fighting like that. You know, would you rather kind of win a fight spectacularly than kind of lose a decision? Because that, like, that, I think he could have won this fight spectacularly if he tried to win it spectacularly. Like, he might have lost as well, but I don't know. It's a, it's a tough situation because you, it's like the Derek Lewis. We'll get to Derek Lewis later on. He's fighting next week. You know, is Derek Lewis better kind of losing weight and trying to fight technically? Or is he better fall on top of a guy after four rounds and landing on top and beating him with ground and pound when he's so tired that he can't do anything else? Like... I think that's a debate. <laughs> that's a debate because from Derek Lewis, he probably is better doing that. But yeah, I don't know. Look, it was a, it was a good fight anyway, and uh, in, interested to see uh, both of them fight again. I always, I, I like. It wasn't like Fanata was boring or anything. I think it was a good fight. But anyway, um, after that, then we run through the undercard pretty quickly. Uh, obviously, Trevin Giles, as we mentioned earlier, fainted, and that fight was cancelled. Uh, then uh, Jonathan Martini- Martinez missed weight badly, and then destroyed Frankie Signs. Very, very good performance for him. So hopefully, he can get down and make weight again. Uh, then Mayanis uh, got the win over uh, Johnny Munoz when uh, there was there was point deductions for ball kicks. There was a possible 10-8 there in the first round, but I don't think anyone gave it. So it was a 29-27 win there for uh, for Mayanis. So very good, uh, fair play to him. Um, then uh, Jamal Emers beat Vincent Cachero in a fight that went three rounds. It was a domination again. And then Chris Gutierrez, the first ever unanimous draw in UFC history, apparently, against Cody Durden. Which, really? Which, yeah, MMA Decisions um, tweeted that out. Which just goes to show you how difficult it is to actually judge MMA, doesn't it? Like, there's never been a unanimous draw before. We, we, sorry, without a point deduction. Without a point deduction, obviously. That's oh, a, okay. That's a yeah, yeah. So, like, that's that's how close it is, I think, a lot of these rounds are to being 10 and not being 10 And, you know, it's... It's a it's a it's a tougher job I think than people uh, than people maybe uh, maybe weren't for it. And I haven't got ba- badly into judging here now and today, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my one judging thing so far here. Right, next thing, Graham. We will look ahead before we get to next week's card. Habib versus Justin Gaethje fight announced. Obviously, we'll break down that fight when it comes up in a couple of weeks again. Then there's talks of Habib Nurmagomedov versus either Conor McGregor or Habib Nurmagomedov versus GSP. And then there's talks of Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao, although I don't know how true that is. Uh, but McGregor's tweeting and Tagalog and everything like that. What do you think, Graham? How do you think it'll all break down here now over the next six months? 
I don't see the GSP thing happening. Um, really, uh, he's been out for a long time. Hasn't fought a welterweight for even longer. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't see that happening. I I, I love the the Justin Habib fight. Like so many questions. Uh, like we always hear about Justin's wrestling, but we never see it, and that would make me think that like you know even. Even if he is really good at wrestling, not having used it in so long in an actual fight will probably play against him. Um, I, I definitely have to pick Habib to win here, but I definitely think there's there's a good there's a good chance, especially early, of, of Justin putting some put some damage on Habib, and that would definitely definitely change the fight. Uh, but uh, if if Habib has the wrestling advantage, which he nearly always does and probably does, then I, I see him just doing what he usually does. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> like I'd like to see, I'd like to see Justin be able to stuff a lot of takedowns and see how that looks. But I just, uh, I, I just think that um, once it be one takedown, the damage he puts on people and the pop goes from the punches, and um, I just think, I just think he's going to have too much again. But I, I, I definitely, I definitely not ruining Justin out. Having said all that. Yeah, like I think Justin, his time in the UFC has done a great job of kind of developing into a more technical fighter and a more tactical fighter, and he'll always have the fight in him. But I also think like a fighter with better kind of high level cardio who can keep going later into fights, which I think might be a big thing against Habib because you know Habib's going to get takedowns early in the fight. I think we, he, Justin Gaethje is going to need to acknowledge that. Everyone's going to need to acknowledge that, but. Is he going to be able to take him down every time like he does for most other people? And every time he late into the fights when... I know you said he'll take away a bit of pop in his punches, but um, I, th- I think if Justin Gaethje can... And I think McGregor actually did a good job of it, kind of surviving on the ground against Tabby without him taking away too much here. And McGregor maybe, uh, if he was in a different part of his career, it might have served him a little bit better. But if Gaethje, when it gets to the ground, can kind of just stop Habib from... Uh, absolutely destroying him early in the fight, kind of like McGregor to have a boring first round where kind of nothing happens and Habib just lays on top of you. I think that might actually benefit Gaethje later on in the fight um, because we've seen previously that Habib, uh, his takedowns aren't as um, aren't as easily gotten later in the fight. Um, so, like, I think it's obviously we'll get into it more as the fight comes along, but. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination this is an easy Habib Nurmagomedov pick. I, I think we've been kind of caught into that before with other fighters. No, I probably will pick <laughs> Habib, but I, I'm going to need to go back and watch a little bit more of Justin Gaethje maybe uh, and a little bit more of Habib as well before uh, before I kind of break down the whole fight. But I, I I think it's a great fight. I think it's a tough matchup for for uh, Habib, but I also thought Dustin Barrio was a tough matchup for Habib and we saw how that uh, played out and... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it how it goes on the GSP thing. Like, I know we talk about MMA retirements all the time, and like, I would probably be surprised if GSP never fought again. But I think he's out of the USADA testing pool now, isn't he? So you'd have to get back into that for six months. So it'd have to be like a long, drawn out plan thing. Would it be just an easier road for them? Dana keeps mentioning it for McGregor to be next for Habib if Habib beats Gaethje. McGregor, you know, he's talking about fighting. Um, fighting Manny Pacquiao but I, I hope to god that doesn't happen like I'm going kind of from one topic to another here but it's it actually saddens me that McGregor has only fought what twice as a as a, a lightweight in in the UFC like he Conor McGregor you know and I'd say the same if it was Habib or if it was John Jones or whoever it was Demetrius Johnson that you know some of the best fighters of our generation 
imagine if Dimitri Johnson had only fought twice at 125 or John Jones had only fought twice at 205 like their natural weight classes in the UFC that's sad like and if you're an MMA fan even if you hate McGregor you love McGregor whatever way you want to do it it's sad that we don't have more fights for him there and he's you know what is he 32 years of age now he, he's another couple of years I'm sure he's probably he hasn't taken that much damage and he's still fit and everything if he can get back and get get fighting more regularly you know it's harder in the pandemic but if he goes and fights Manny Pacquiao, like, all right, we'll watch it and we'll cover it and there'll be a bit of crack and everything. But, like, it's it's fucking sad. It's it's sad for an, an MMA fan. It might be great for Conor McGregor. It might earn a 100 million or whatever it might be. But for me and for everyone listening to this, I think it's it's a pity that he's away from it. But what did you think of my fucking shite there, Graham, that I talked? Any, any thoughts? Yeah, well, obviously it would be about if it was uh, Pacquiao yeah. would have no interest in a, in a fight. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like that. That's what you took from it. Go yeah, on. well, I think that's a very important... Uh, thing to note like um obviously like 99 percent of people want to see connor fight not box mm-hmm. um um the, the the mayweather thing was kind of like a special thing where you know it never really been done before but now we've seen it you know what i mean now it's not as exciting or unknown or special or whatever yeah i think i think the winner of justin habib against against connor makes the most sense I don't. GSP, I don't. GSP, like, it just doesn't make as much sense, I don't think. Oh, I see Tony Tony Ferguson saying he'd be willing to fight McGregor this week. I think Ferguson... Like, I still think He's McGregor... He's got a fight, though, hasn't he? He's, uh, no, Tony I don't think not? so. No, oh, they're oh, talking really? about him fighting Poirier, but I don't think that's... Uh, I don't think that's official yet, but... I, I still think McGregor needs another fight. I mean, I think Tony's actually too much of a step. I, like, I've been talking about Pettis or someone maybe lower down than that. I, like, McGregor, we still seem to forget McGregor's only fought once in the last, you know, or, or a couple of times in the last fucking five years nearly at this stage. Like, he fought Cerrone. I think he needs another kind of fight back. Maybe Tony is the move to make if you want to move a little bit quicker. Uh, like, Tony looked really bad in his last fight, and McGregor looked, you know, sharp as you as sharp as you can look in 40 seconds against uh, against Cowboy, so maybe that's the fight to make, but, like, I don't think it's good for McGregor to be going straight back into a Habib Nurmagomedov fight, like, has he improved that much, really, over the last few years, and in the middle of a fucking pandemic when you can't go in and train properly and everything? I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be a foolhardy decision to take that Habib fight well, straight away, it- but... If this is October and when's it going to be, you know, January or something, like that's a long time away now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, take another fight. Come on, let's have it. Let's let's roll the dice. Go full Joanne Calderwood and here we'll, we'll see what happens. But anyway, all right, next week, uh, there's some good cards coming up. A very good Bellator card. You know, we criticized him last time maybe for not starting strong enough, but uh, Michael Chandler versus Vincent Henderson, Matt Mitrion versus Timothy Johnson, Cortis Melinder versus Sabah Homasi, even uh, Miles Jory versus Georgie Carcanyon. Uh, we've AJ Azagram here. I think he's a jiu-jitsu guy who goes around, you know, submitting people and stuff. Who cares? Uh, and then there's other people on the fight card as well. Adam Barrox is on this as well. Valerie Loretta's on this. This is topology. I'm reading this one. I hope I'm reading the right fucking card. Uh, yeah, I am. So yeah, that, that looks like a good card. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then we have the big um, UFC card as well. We have Derek Lewis, Alexi Olenek, Chris Weidman, Amari Ekhmedov. Darren Stewart's back here. Yana Kunitskaya, my boy Benil Dariush versus Scott Holtzman. Tim Means is fighting here. Nazrat Akbaras, who I like, is fighting here as well. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good card. What do you think? First of all, we'll get, uh, the Bellator one, Vincent Henderson versus Michael Chandler. Obviously, this is a fight that was supposed to happen a while back. I think they fought once before as well. Um, who who do you think will win it? Yeah, I think I'd have to go with Chandler. I, I, I just think Henderson isn't isn't the same fighter as he was when he was the. Uh, 
the UFC champion. And even when he was a UFC champion, there was a lot of a lot of close decisions there that maybe people didn't agree with, and maybe he was never quite as good as uh, his record would state. But uh, it's definitely a really good matchup, and um, kind of the card maybe Bellator should have come back with last week. Yeah, 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 I agree as well. Yeah, I think like it'll probably be close. Uh, three round fight, you know, it'll probably be a decision, and I think Chandler might just land a harder shot. Like Vincent Henderson's always been a kind of a a five round, three round type of fighter, and um, I think in today's MMA, it's harder to win those sort of fights when you have the style that Vincent Henderson has. Uh, but I, I'm sure it'll be a I'm sure it'll be a good fight. Um, Mitrion, I, I think he'll he'll probably beat uh, Tim Johnson as well, and. Car Canyon impressed me an awful lot when he was over in Ireland, and Miles Jory maybe not as much, but uh, I think that'll be a good fight as well. But what about this uh, Derek Lewis Alexi Olenek fight? Like we talked about Lewis, I, I talked about him a little bit earlier on, and his improvements he's made, you know, losing a bit of weight and everything like that. Against against Olenek, do you think that'll benefit him? It can be maybe a little bit quicker, maybe pick him off from the outside, don't get drawn into maybe the the ground game against Olenek might be an actual benefit. Yeah, well, I think Olenek in his last fight showed that the striking is a little bit better than we thought, but yeah. it's still not not great. Um, and Lewis sh- should have enough. But, yeah, I, I, you were kind of saying earlier, I don't think the the fit kind of f- less heavy kind of different, different style Lewis is, is the right way to go. I think for entertainment value and for his chances of winning, he's better, he's better being the... The Donkey Kong ground and pounder that, that won him so many fights that he was losing uh, uh, historically, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Lewis should have too much here for for Olenek. I, I was looking at the the co-main event and it's basically a pick and fight uh, between Weidman and Akhmadov, and uh, I know Weidman's kind of fallen off a cliff, but I, I was surprised that Weidman wasn't a bigger, big, bigger favorite than than a pick and fight. It's, Really? How come? Like, yeah. Looking at Akhmedov's record here, you know, he's a good few wins. Like, why didn't like, he's beaten Heinish, Zach Cummings, Tim Boach, Drew at Marvin Vittori, who's looking good re- recently, beat Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who looks good, you know? Yeah, but the level of competition compared to what Weidman, I know Weidman's not necessarily uh, anywhere near what, what he was, but, he, you know, if you put him against Tim Boach or Zach Cummings or Ian Heinish, I'm sure he'd, he'd win at least a decision like, like Akhmedov did. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah. yeah. Even even that split decision win over Al Hassan doesn't look that good. <laughs> you know his wins don't have that kind of quality opponent, uh, or big name value to them. Uh, I think like maybe I'm I'm remembering Weidman for what he used to be, but I think I think he should have more than enough here. Yeah, when you said that first, I'm thinking like probably bet on Akhmedov, to be honest. Because I like really, yeah. Weidman is, you know, we talk about the ghost of Anderson Silva. I think it's the ghost of Chris Weidman after that Luke Rockall fight, uh, and around that time as well. I don't think Chris Weidman has looked the same since that time. So, well, definitely, if you look at his record, he's dropped a lot of losses. Like you know, uh, Luke Rockall, Leo Romero, and Musasi in a row. He beat Gaslam obviously in between there, but then since then he's obviously lost to. Uh, to Jacare and to Dominic Reyes, but they're all, you know, top top guys in, in well, top contenders at least in the, in the division. And um, yeah, I think I think I don't know. I think he should have enough here. Maybe I'm missing something, but I think he should have more than enough here, Wyman. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, they were fighting that card, which you know, Benil Darius um, versus Scott Holzman fight. I think that's a good fight as well. Like you look at 
Benil Dariush and I think like oh he's fighting Scott Holtzman I'm like maybe he deserves a bit of a bigger name than that but Scott Holtzman's last two fights he beat uh, beat Jim Miller in one of them anyway, and then Dong Hyung Ma before that as well after losing to Nick Lynn so maybe it's a it's a better fight than uh, I imagine for Benil Dariush but I think I'm obviously very biased because I like Benil Dariush I think he's a very talented guy but I think when you beat you know when you win four in a row and you look good in all those four in a row and when you kind of have the name been around for a, a good while and you've beaten the likes of you know Michael Johnson and James Vick and Jim Miller b- before I think maybe a little bit more of a push is needed for Benil Dariush although when he's we've had that before he's lost and got knocked out by uh by Edson Barboza and a couple of more guys as well maybe, maybe not but uh yeah a good fight and a dangerous fight for him as well because Scott Holtzman you know he's good everywhere and can crack as well so um yeah I'm looking forward to uh Looking forward to seeing how that goes. And Gavin Tucker is back here again against Justin James. Gavin Tucker kind of came into the UFC and uh, he looked very good beating Sam Cecilia and he hasn't fought now since around this time last year. Um, and he, after, you know, that, that big loss to, to Rich Glynn in 2017, I think it was. Um, so a, a big fight for him there as well. I always like to see him coming back there. Um, before we get answer a couple of questions as well, we had uh, Mokayev, Mohamed Mokayev making his MMA debut this uh, week, fighting Glenn oh, McVeigh yeah. uh, over in Brave. Um, and obviously, everyone probably knows him listening to this podcast. He was, or maybe not, because we've. I think we've actually passed more Americans listening to this podcast than Irish and English people. So, or not Irish and English, just Irish people. So, fair play to you. So he's like, what is he twenty three and all? Uh, amateur won the IMF World Championship a couple of times. Uh, the BBC did a great video on him this week talking about he's kind of a, a I think he's a refugee coming over from uh, Dagestan uh, or uh, some, some part of Russia anyway and came to England and I think he's like won a couple of English national wrestling championships and things. So he's like the the biggest prospect you can get, I suppose, coming in from amateur to to a, a professional MMA from the current kind of IMF scene, uh, and Glenn McVeigh it was very hard. I think some there was a lot of people pulled out of the fight against him, and then Glenn McVeigh obviously fighting out of FAI came in and he fought against him, and you know I suppose it kind of went the way a lot of people expected. Market um, have dominated on the feet got the fight to the ground, dominated on the ground as well. I think in the third round, McVeigh did a great job of kind of turning him over and got maybe uh, a minute on top or something like that, but Makayev uh, was able to, to get out of that pretty quickly and landed on top as well towards the end of the fight. And I think there was maybe one ten eight in there, and uh, they, they didn't give the scores anyway, but uh, yeah, Makayev won the fight uh, pretty pretty uh, well. But, you know, Tim McVeigh, obviously, you can't get a fucking tougher uh, O&O versus O&O fight than that, so I'm sure he'll be back as well. People call him for the rematch, I don't think i don't think that makes an awful lot of sense after such a dominant display although i know it was on short notice and everything but yeah i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't be making that rematch but i think makev goes on and uh will do it like i, I feel like english mma does a good job well, we've seen a little bit with irish mma so i suppose ian gary maybe being the guy who came out of amateurs with what was he six and one or something like that and had a, a few good fights and we kind of saw him coming through and we knew he, he was going to be a really good guy but i remember you saying fabian edwards back in the day when he was making his um mma pro mma debut how good he was as an amateur and things the, the english do that pretty well don't they and there's a good bit of hype already behind makayev here isn't there yeah, it's, it's compared to Ireland, there's definitely a lot more shows available for, for the UK guys to fight on. And 
um, uh, yeah, like I'm sure there'd be a lot of Irish guys who'd love to have ten, like ten amateur fights, like mm-hmm. Fabian Edwards or twenty odd, like Mac Macav, but it's just not possible at the moment. So uh, it used to be the case where you know we saw people like uh, James Gallagher have what like sixteen, was it thirteen and three? He was as an amateur, have extensive amateur careers, but it, the options just aren't there anymore. So these guys just are kind of forced to go to go pro earlier, and you know. Uh, you look at people like even Kiefer Crosby who had an extensive amateur careers and it really stood to him when he you know ironed out some some holes in his game and amateur really stood to him when he turned pro so it's not ideal like it's definitely better for like you know for example the examples you used of Edwards and stuff it's definitely better if, if you can to get them amateur fights in but it's it just isn't possible for for a lot of Irish guys at the moment yeah 100% um I forgot to give my rating for the main event. I, I'm going to give it a 5.6. What did you think? Uh, Shabazzian versus Brunson. Uh, I'd give it a bit lower. I'd probably go 5.1. Mm, yeah. I, I just enjoyed it. I think it was an entertaining fight. I think it was a good tactical fight as well. So I'd give it a little bit higher. Uh, right. Let's answer a couple of questions here before we go. I'll answer every question you send in. If you send in a question after this between when I record it, maybe tomorrow or Monday, um, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. I have a Q&A up every tuesday so uh, you can listen to that there and it's usually around half an hour 45 minutes sometimes there's two q a's because there's so many questions come in so i promise you every question that comes in i will answer it at severe mma pod you can tweet them in there or uh, we have a post up on patreon um a couple of weeks out from chris and graham what are your levels of excitement for the dc versus stipe trilogy what do you think, um it's not even on my mind at the moment um maybe on fight week it'd be more hype but it's not it's not like i don't think it's going to grab me as as one of these these you know uh really exciting fights where you're, where you're on the edge of your seat i don't i just i don't know why like obviously it's like a huge fight in heavyweight division and it, it is massive but it, uh, maybe because we've seen it twice already and i don't know uh, i'm just not that excited about it yeah like i did i saw it last night and uh the uh, promo came up and I just wanted the promo at the end <laughs> I was on it all times and okay it was late at night you could have any fucking promo but like yeah I'm not that excited about it although I, same as you when fight week comes I will be excited about it like I think it's a good fight I, it's kind of put me off a little bit with DC and Steve but like their levels of preparation I think DC has, DC has this kind of ongoing joke for the last year that he's kind of fat and you know out of shape and everything and then Stipe has been like working and and he's, he's always done that and he's always managed to, to get it but I'm sure it's been a little bit more uh, tough because of the, the pandemic and his gym is being closed and everything as well so yeah it's an, it's an interesting uh, fight and interesting situation but I'm not sure exactly uh, exactly how it goes um, another question here um, thoughts on the possible Max Holloway versus Volkanovski trilogy then I just hinted at it this week and said like um, um, he wouldn't be against making that third fight like after two straight losses for Max Holloway I, th- I don't know I, 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 uh, I thought you. Holloway actually won the, the last fight so yeah I, I, I'd, be, I'd like to see it again it doesn't necessarily have to be straight away but I think it, it definitely should happen again at some stage or make sense to happen again at some stage yeah, I think uh, the problem was they made the second cup fight too quickly, and I said this before the fight as well, and pointed at this exact issue. If Volkanovski won the second fight, which he he did on the, the judges' scorecards, 
what do you do then? You're stuck in fucking limbo with Max Holloway. Whereas if Max Holloway had three or four other fights before it, or maybe even one or two other fights before it, and kind of worked his way back into it, we'd kind of be wanting that fight a little bit more when it came, although we, we wanted to see it then. But we'd all he'd also be in maybe a better footing to have prepared uh, for that second fight. And when we got to this stage then, we'd be like, right, I, we don't need that fight maybe straight away, but maybe if he wins one or two more, he can get back into it. Now we're just like, he lost two straight away. So it, it just would feel wrong, I think, to do it a, a third time again. I think there's enough people, or it was close enough that you know it was it was a close enough fight that a lot of people thought Max Holloway won, and it wouldn't be you know people wouldn't be ah here like you know we've seen this for a third time. We know who the better fighter is. It's clear. I don't think it is clear. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of questions still around around that fight. So yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe wait a little bit, have another fight each, but I think the the rematch would happen soon enough. Like, yeah. um, I don't think so. Paul Brown thoughts on Bobby Green spraying water on everyone cage side out of his mouth, spreading coronavirus around the place. I was like, yeah, that was a bit. That was that was probably a bit too much, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Um, all right. I suppose that's it. Are, are we going to talk about Jordan Henderson here for a little bit, winning this joke of an award? This is way worse than the time Ryan Giggs won it. Like, no, it's not. Ryan Giggs worse. played like 20 minutes at the end of games in midfield when they were already 4-0 up and got sympathy player of the, the decade or whatever it was jo- called. Jordan Henderson is Liverpool's ninth best player and he won player of the year. Like, how the fuck does that work? But the, 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 if, you, like, yeah, like, if you're saying that about the actual player of the year, then fair enough. But I think this... Riders player actually has like strange criteria about like contributions and all that stuff and it's just like a weird award it's not a, it's not a like who's the best footballer award even though if you read the name you'd, you'd think that's what it is but a, it actually isn't a sad day for journalism like what does he like that thing he set up they have done nothing as far as I know I was talking to someone about that there recently and it was like they said that they were going to do something they wrote this great document and all but they did nothing like they did absolutely nothing so I, I like I don't know why he's fucking winning it. It's just because like, oh, do you have to give it to Liverpool Bear basically? Just like, probably because he's the the reigning or the current the current Champions League, the current Super Cup, the current World Champion, Provincial the, Cup. Oh, this is one of the most embarrassing Captain. things ever. Like, you must be embarrassed by all these Liverpool players taking pictures with these cups out in the field. Like this cup that they got knocked out of a couple of weeks ago. Like, and they're they're taking pictures current, of it out in the current field. Champions. What an embarrassment! Like, how, you must be embarrassed by that, Don. All serious. Not not at all. Not. <laughs> Just, if you're if you're the current holders of all these trophies, why wouldn't you take <laughs> photos? Holders. You're not in the fucking thing anymore. You got knocked out. The current holders. You're not holding it. Like you don't hold. Well, like for example, uh, uh, Man City were the current holders of the, of the Premier League, even though they were what out of the title race, knocked out of the title race. They were still the current the current holders. Like. Yeah, would they have been when Liverpool were twenty points ahead? Imagine if Man City started taking pictures with the Premier League trophy in the middle of their pitch. Imagine how stupid they would have looked. No, I think if they had you like a, an unprecedented, an unprecedented, never seen before hall of trophies that to get together, and when you get the final piece of that, the the provincial league, then you're obviously going to take photos of that. It makes sense. Uh, no? Embarrassing stuff. Uh, one and all, like Liverpool, you're already uh, clutching at straws here. No, no, we're celebrating fucking third place, not. and then fucking uh, like Liverpool are the most giving out about photos with club. world, with world and European and, and the, Super oh, Cup yeah, and world, provincial. World, I didn't even realize you the world fucking friendly trophy out there as well. Like Liverpool, even when they win even just when they're the Man best United team in the world they're so embarrassing you're just, you're just trying to write it off they're like, so uh, embarrassing Man United are going to win the Europa League here in, in sure, a while sure we had, until, until Man United got knocked out of the FA Cup we had Man United fans talking up this provincial cup as if it was anywhere near a world championship like a world championship how many games do you have to win to win that world championship 
you have to get into the top four, which obviously Man United struggled to do, but they, <laughs> then you got to win the Champions League and then you got to beat the... So you got to beat the... Is the Super Cup more, more, more than the Champions League so as well? No, you just asked how many games you have to win to get it. So yeah, 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 but you have to get into the Super... You have to do the same thing to get into the Super Cup. Is the Super no, you Cup don't. More? You can win the Europa League. Yeah. Like Man United could get into the... Oh, even, even a shit team like Man United okay, could on, get into the on, Super on. Cup but not the World Championships. And what do you have to do to get into the World Championships? You have to uh, finish in the top four in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, and okay, then okay, but win the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, and what what about the other teams? You know, well, they have to win their their um, continental, their Mickey Mouse continental championships. Their continental oh, yeah, championships. That's, yeah, that's right. You're playing fucking Chile's best team. Like, oh, congratulations! You're fucking you're unreal. You're playing uh, uh, Brisbane FC. Well done, congratulations! Flamengo would, would would absolutely tear man out of the shreds. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, oh, you're playing fucking Addis Ababa Rovers. Oh, yeah, fair play, G. You won the World Championships. Congratulations. Oh, good God almighty. <laughs> you're, you're arguing quickly broke there, didn't it, with your Europa League thing? That was a bad mistake. No. Was a... You asked how many games to get there, and you said, and I said, you said a bit to the Super Cup is better, and I said, no, like, you can this... win this Europa League. You can win, like, a B tournament and get into it. Yeah, but you can win a fucking tournament in Addis Ababa to get into the fucking World Championships, and what difference does it make? Like? Well, not, not, not as an English side, you can't. That, that's a completely uh, null and void argument altogether. Like, no, it's not. It uh, is. Like, Man United have no chance in the ne- of getting into the this tournament. That's probably why you're trying to write it they off. Have, like, Man United are in the Champions League. We can win the Champions League. Okay, realistic chance of like you know, Man United squad is is nowhere near this. Like, well, Liverpool top, definitely top have no chance. Europe, never mind the world. Liverpool, Liverpool won't be in it next year, will they? So Liverpool are not the best team in the world anymore. Is that what you're saying now? Because they're out of it. No, oh, well, there's meant to be this new tournament starting, isn't there? I don't know if it's going to be delayed now because of um, Mickey Mouse, because of the coronavirus and all. But they're, they're they're taking, I think, the previous three winners and making a bigger tournament uh, going joke. forward. That's probably been delayed now. But yeah, they're they're uh, you know um, they're they're trying to make the uh, it a bigger tournament, not just a two game thing. Are uh, are FC Papua New Guinea going to be in it this year? Are Liverpool going to have to, to beat they, them? They, they might be, but Man United definitely won't be. <laughs> the mighty FC Papua New Guinea, is that it? All right, go on, sure. We might as well end it there. Congratulations, anyway, the great season. Our season's not over because we're still in actual cups that people want to care about. So uh, people for, care for about what? What cups do people care about? The you're in. We could be European champions at the end of this year. All you have won is an old domestic cup. This year. You, you might you even won. get to the Super Cup, and then you can you, you can win something <laughs> yeah, for the could, first time in how many years? We'll beat the the best team in the world, according to you, who won the the Champions League. Oh, I forgot. I forgot you beat IX under 16s actually a few years ago in the Mourinho. Sorry. European champions over and over and over again so fair play to us I think we've won five European char- trophies at this stage if we win it this year we'll have six same as you so fair play to you <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a lot more yeah yeah in fairness I just we'll, we'll end it there uh, alright thank you very much Graham thanks everybody for listening sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast point of a po- price of a point of one oh actually is what pro- people are probably not listening here but there's a lot of people who have like signed up and who have never kind of cancelled but they're like cards have been stuck in limbo or something like that so if you're one of those people um go into the patreon website and kind of look at it maybe maybe need to you know people's cards have run out or whatever so maybe uh maybe that's an issue for for some people if you're not getting podcasts or whatever maybe that's a thing i had a couple of people saying that in the last while so uh anyway god bless y'all thanks very much for listening uh up limerick up man united uh solskjaer in fuck jorgen klopp uh and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week it does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. We'll see you next Tuesday. 
I'll probably Sunday.